0: This is the Groupfinity Podcast, episode number 33. Welcome to the Groupfinity Show, a podcast for leaders of volunteer organizations. We take the guesswork out of what works so you can focus on your mission, accomplish more, and get rid of administrative madness. And now, your host, who knows you are the 20% who does 80% of the work, Anthony Wilson. Welcome to the Groupfinity podcast, no matter where you are and whenever you may be listening. Welcome back, Groupfinity Nation. Today, I'm speaking with Sandy Fox. Sandy's a digital strategist guru. One of her superpowers is helping organizations incorporate text messages as a communication channel. We are more likely to read texts versus emails because this is where we communicate with friends and family. Sandy has some terrific advice on how organizations can use text messaging to effectively fundraise, organize, and communicate. The key takeaways from my discussion with Sandy are, number one, 90% of people who receive a text message will read it within 90 seconds of receiving it. Number two, text can be used by organizations of any size. Number three, best practices, two to three messages per month. And number four, there is a cost. It's not free like social media. So if you add text, be sure you don't forget about it. Be sure to stick around to the end to hear Sandy tell us how more organizations started using testing during the pandemic. I'll be back at the end to wrap it up. Here's Sandy. Hi, Sandy. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show, Anthony.
0: I'm so glad you're here because you are a digital strategist guru. And I just love all the stuff that you're doing, helping socially minded organizations. And one of your superpowers is helping organizations incorporate text messages into their fundraising. And I think that is so interesting, a new way of of thinking about it. So on your website, it says, why mobile? So Sandy, why mobile?
1: It's a really important question, but in this day and age, it's become a little rhetorical because I think a lot of organizations and people truly understand why they should be doing mobile. The real thing is, the real issue that they find is, how do I even get started? How do I do it? Period. But to to just give you some stats off the top to to defend what I'm sure a lot of your uh, listeners are already thinking, obviously, everyone has a cell phone, right? At this point, 96% of Americans have a mobile device that they primarily use and over 90% have a smartphone. So it's about meeting people where they are and they're on their mobile phones. So it's become one of the best direct response tools in our tool set for digital because... That means we really actually reach people and they are more likely to respond to our asks, be it being a volunteer, attending an event, giving money. What the carriers have given us in terms of statistics is that 90% of people who receive a text message will read it within 90 seconds of receiving it. So we know they're seeing our messages It's more about whether or not they're engaging. And we do actually see much higher numbers of engagement with text messages compared to email. And that's mainly because we're actually getting through to them. But we don't want to over-message folks and have to deal with the similar issues that email now has or that mail previously had where there's like a junk folder for texting. So we want to be able to directly reach and engage with our supporters, our donors, our volunteers, and the people we want to be reaching. At this point, it really is the best tool to be using. And then I'd love to talk a little bit about how folks can get started.
0: Oh, yeah. You just read my mind. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. How do you get started? I definitely feel that. like I get inundated with emails. I get fewer texts. There, you're right. There is no junk folder for the text. We're all now getting way more scam text than we used to, right? To click on this, to send money to whatever this or that. But that being said, I do read them. So that leads us into how do we get started doing this?
1: Yeah. So I I think there is a misunderstanding in terms of how to get started with text. Some people think it's really easy. Some people think it's too expensive. And there's There's actually a lot of different um, methods to do texting that can be more affordable or more expensive, depending on what your needs are, what your budget is. So it really is something that can be utilized by any organization, whether it's a very small all-volunteer organization, or it's a small org with a small staff, or medium or large organization. There's a lot of different platforms, and there's two different types of texting that are predominantly used in our space, which is broadcast texting, which is also known as blast texting. It's when you can press send on a message and it goes out to like hundreds or thousands of people at once. And then there's peer-to-peer texting. And peer-to-peer texting is when you have a platform where you're sending a hundred messages, but someone actually has to press send on every message. So you have to click a send button a hundred times for that message to go out. And the reason why those two different platforms exist is one broadcast texting, for instance, is a lot easier, but there is one requirement. Like an email program, you need to get an opt in. You need to have someone subscribe to receive messages from you, either through a form or a, a verbal commitment or a text opt in. They have to subscribe and authorize that it's okay for you to send them messages. So for those who might have trouble collecting those opt-ins, that's where peer-to-peer comes in. So with peer-to-peer, it might take a little longer to send those messages, but you can reach the folks you need to reach. Now, you can use peer-to-peer to to collect opt-ins and then migrate over to a broadcast program. So again, one is a little bit better of a system. You can do more with it. It doesn't take as much time. And the other is better for... Probably more conversational texting, more staff or volunteer time to send those messages.
0: For broadcast, that's when someone has come to a website and they've opted in to receive more information. So I've raised my hand to say, mm-hmm. I don't mind if you communicate with me. Is that correct, correct? But
1: there is actual required legal language from the carriers that you need to include on your forms. Mm-hmm. So if they sign up through your website and it just says, I agree to receive texts. That's not considered a legitimate opt-in. There is actual legal language, and I'm happy to go over it with folks if they want to follow up with me, but there is specific legal language that you need to include in order to get people to opt in. Another way that people opt in is through keywords. And a lot of folks probably have seen like text vote to 66539, Mm. and that's called short code broadcast texting. And short code broadcast texting is typically used by larger organizations with a large budget because short codes are actually quite expensive. They can cost between500 and $1,000 a month at, with a minimum of three month commitment, and then you have setup costs as well. So it is pretty costly for smaller, but you can also do that with a toll-free number or a 10 DLC, which is 10 um, digit long code or a local phone number. And so there are platforms that have this institute where you can have one of those two options it's a lot more affordable. There's platforms like Simple Texting, Easy Text, Strive, all which allow for you to do one of those three. And that will ensure that you can text. I work specifically with a couple different platforms, been familiar with even more. And I also do tool audits for clients, depending on what their budget is and can make just recommendations just based on any knowledge I have of the organization.
0: So tell me then the difference with peer-to-peer. Does that mean that I can just gather some numbers and throw them in and text them without them opting in?
1: Correct. The way that peer-to-peer typically is used, at least with nonprofits and political campaigns, is that we typically use peer-to-reach voters. Or with Mm -hmm. the census, we use audiences we considered harder to count, folks who are less likely to actually fill out the census. So we use it for what we call cold audiences. These are audiences that aren't familiar with our organization and aren't familiar um, with the work that we're doing. So again, usually peer to peer is typically used for that type of interaction, whereas broadcast is usually done with warmer audiences. Organizations have supporters, donors, etc. That's how they would communicate with their warm audience or their what I like to call their easy opt-ins.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, is the main difference then with broadcast? I press one button and a bunch of texts go off. Versus peer to peer, they make it more painful for you. So you have to hit each button one by one to send to send one text.
1: Yes, that's it's, it's wow. a little bit of a workaround. That's okay. what and so that's why both those two types of platforms exist in our space. Now, in terms of cost, it really ranges. It used to be that peer to peer was more expensive, but that has changed, and now actually. They're depending it really depends on the platform you're using. Peer-to-peer or broadcast can cost anywhere between one and eight cents a message. Peer-to-peer is still on the higher end. For some platforms it is eight cents a message, but you can find platforms where for peer-to-peer it's three cents or two cents. Uh depending on volume and how many messages you're sending a month or et cetera. And the same thing applies for broadcast, but broadcast has a smaller range. Broadcast is typically you're paying between one and four cents a message versus two and eight.
0: And so how are people using text? Is it in fundraising? Is it just to get their their people in the know as to what's going on? Give me some examples of how someone might use this.
1: It's just another communications channel, right? So you're Mm -hmm. using it for all the things you would use social media or email or your website for. So you would use it for fundraising. You might send um, a message out to supporters inviting them to a fundraising event, or you might send a message out to former donors and saying, hey, um, we just launched this new campaign. Would you be able to give $5? You might use it again to get volunteers. So you might send a message out and say, hey, we're doing this rally at location at this time. Can you join us? It's also, you could use it for advocacy. Hey, will you sign this petition to tell your member of Congress to vote no on this? Mm-hmm. Or some t- tools even have what we call patch-through calling functionality, which allows you to set do what we call click-to-call, which is text your zip code and you'll be connected to your elected official and your phone will ring and you'll be patched through to that office. So it, it can be used for a wide range. You can also use it, Or getting out the vote, making sure people have their voter registration, making sure people know where where their voting or polling location is, making sure they fill out the census, making sure they've gotten a COVID vaccine and know where to get it. So it's really one of the greatest direct response tools out there in terms of getting information out to people and engaging with them.
0: So we should really just view it as another um, channel to deliver the messages that we're already delivering. But it's just, they're just read more. I think 90%
1: yeah. and, and of
0: the- us have smartphones and 90% of text messages get read within 90 seconds.
1: Yeah, exactly. So in terms of adding it, the main thing is making sure you have the capacity to add another channel. You don't want to mm-hmm. spread yourself too thin. So if you're already having trouble sending those emails out, or you might want to get that under your belt first or start on social media first before you jump into texting. Because texting is more expensive. Social media is basically free. Email is not that expensive. But texting does cost a premium because you're paying per text. And that's because the carriers charge us money. So there is that factor. Even if it's a a minimal cost, it is still a cost, unlike other methods.
0: So have have you ever come across someone that was skeptical at first, and then they try and, oh my God, I can't believe I haven't been doing this for years.
1: I think earlier on, yes. But now I think a lot of folks are like, why aren't we texting yet? Mm Because they've seen other organizations do it and do it well. They've also seen other organizations do it poorly. They're like, we can do this better. Why aren't we doing it yet? And it's about, you know, get uh, leadership within their organization on board to do it and also... being able, again, capacity can be a real issue, making sure that they can actually handle running a mobile program. Because a lot of people say they want to do it, start it, and then it's like that, that stepchild that you forget about. So they'll do the email, they'll do the social media post and they'll forget about mobile. And I'll just sit there and you're paying for it, but you're not using it. And that's the worst I've seen. It's when organizations know they want to do it, but don't know how and pay for it and then just forget about it. So we don't want that to happen. We want to make sure you have a plan, you have goals in mind, and you know exactly how you're going to utilize it as a channel to your people.
0: So you touched on this a little bit, but earlier you said some people do it poorly, right? Are there some examples that you have of someone that try to do it? and You're like, oh my God, I can't believe you're, you're doing that.
1: Yeah, I, I, there's what we uh, a term we like to use called bad actors. There are bad mm-hmm. actors in the space. Obviously, the worst of all actors are those folks who are running those scam techs and phishing schemes. Yeah. Those are the folks who you know are literally trying to defraud you. Um, yeah, I
0: think I got one of those today, telling me about my Chase account that I don't have.
1: Yeah, so you have to, like <laughs> it's it's a new world, like and uh, yeah. and a lot of the carriers are cracking down because of a lot of that. But there are also bad actors in the nonprofit and political space. Like basically, if for instance you text using broadcast to someone who never opted in, and then they're like, stop sending you messages, and then you keep message, that's a bad actor. Um, not identifying who you are when you're sending a message. Who the hell is this? Who's messaging me right now? A lot of, or you sometimes forget to include their name or who's sending the message. There's just a lot of different things. And those are two very big ones. Not honoring opt-outs and then, t- or texting people who haven't opted in.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's certainly the bad actors, right? So let's take the bad actors out of it and just say someone who in, in all earnest wants to do it correctly, but they're just not executing As well as they should. I
1: think people tend to forget that texting is not email. It's a very personal medium. That's where you communicate with your friends and family and they treat it like email. So what they'll Mm -hmm. do is they'll send you too many texts. They'll send you multiple texts a week. Some political campaigns. I was getting one a day or more when the best practice is usually between two and four messages a month. You don't want to overkill There is a time and a place for an emergency text, like we need to rally together. You can go over that for if those circumstances arise, but you really don't want to over-text because it is a direct response tool and literally your message is going directly to your person and they're more likely to opt out or just stop looking at your text. It's like, oh, them again, you know? And that happens with email, but even more so with text because if they... Again, they're looking for messages from their friends and family. They're going to ignore something versus if you're actually sending them something of value. So, you want to moderation is key in understanding that. Also, length of text. There are some organizations, and again, I strongly believe in testing, and I think these orgs have tested, but they have different goals in mind. So, they've tested how much they can fundraise off of a text versus how like high opt outs versus engagement what they're they're doing is actually basically sticking an email message into a text message. So if mm-hmm. we're talking like yeah. multiple paragraphs uh, a text message is supposed to be like 160 characters or less. yeah so yeah, brevity is definitely. Be concise.
0: Uh, yeah, that's, and, that's painful. I think I've received some of those texts before, and so yeah. you're saying best practices is one hundred and sixty characters or less, or one hundred and sixty words or less.
1: It's characters. So characters. I, Yeah. So technically, an SMS is one hundred and sixty characters. If you go over that, your message will be broken up into multiple SMS segments. Yeah. So there carriers are getting better at this, but for still, this happens and but less and less. But sometimes those segments come in the wrong. If you do a longer message, that's two or three segments, they'll just look jarbled and confusing because it won't align correctly. So that's the main reason for keeping it shorter. It doesn't mean you can't do longer messages. With my clients, I, I do longer messages all the time. It's just, you have to judge when the time places place is for it and also just multiple paragraphs is never okay
0: so, have you seen any changes since covid we're still here in the in, in the throes of the pandemic i was gonna say middle but we don't even know if we're in the middle
1: i would say we're all, we're like towards the tail end i would hope
0: i, I we think so but who knows we
1: at, we at least have a vaccine <laughs> that's, <Okay>. true. <laughs> that's true that's so, true i'm gonna say we've got another year Right. <laughs> but yeah, so maybe in that sense, we're in the middle, but like the worst part of it is over. I would
0: that, say. That, I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. I, I was starting to say middle and I was like, let me stop there because who knows where the end is. But have you seen any changes with respect to with respect to the strategy yes. since COVID or because I mean, of COVID?
1: I think texting has increased because of COVID. So organizations that would normally have what we call field programs where they're knocking on your door or going to the supermarket um, to reach people and having in-person events for engagement that they couldn't do during COVID. They started doing other outreach efforts like texting and phone calls in order to reach folks. And the best way to, to actually do grassroots organizing Is in person, but phone and text has become a good alternative and it's not going away. And ultimately, you should be doing all of the above when you are trying to reach folks. But yes, I think during COVID, texting increased tenfold. Like 2020 was the largest number of texts sent by organizations in the nonprofit and political space.
0: So you found that basically people who may not have been open to it before, basically out of necessity, We're much more open to it. Exactly. Cool, cool. Hey, I just have a couple more questions for you, Sandy. This has been absolutely fantastic. I I know I've learned a ton during our talk here today. So tell me, how did you get into this? Why are you so passionate about it?
1: So I've been working in a uh, digital strategy for nonprofits and political orgs for over 14. And back in 2013, when I started working for one organization, I helped develop a texting program for them. they were called the Enough Project and we used it primarily just to reach young people. And then when I went over to Planned Parenthood, I was like, we should be expanding a texting program here. And I started Planned Parenthood's text messaging program back in 2014. And when I left, they had um, a thousand percent growth and a fully engaged list. And it was used for so many different purposes. It went from being maybe 10% of my job to being almost full-time in terms of the size of the list, in terms of of the communications and strategy we were using. So yeah, so I think I just, I fell in love with texting and what you could do with it and how you could really engage with people. Even with broadcast texting, I would send messages out and I'd get a text back from like a grandmother who was like, I'm so sorry. I really want to attend this event, but I'm in the hospital to get a hip replacement. And I just want you to know that I'm doing this and supporting all the work you're doing for my two granddaughters.
0: So 2014, you were seriously on the forefront because I think in 2014, I had a Blackberry curve that I don't even think allowed texting.
1: Yeah, more and more people were starting to have mobile phones. It Actually, the first political campaign to really use texting was the Obama campaign in 08. They announced their VP pick, Biden, who's our current president at the time via text message. They asked people to text in a keyword to be the first to know. And then they all received the text message to let them know during the convention when they were announcing. So that was pretty cool. But they didn't Continue using it as much after. And then I think in 2010 and, and further on, more organizations started using it. But by 2016, it was at all the large organizations, pretty much, and every major political campaign, like at the federal level. So, president, senate, that kind of thing, we're all starting to use texting.
0: Cool. Hey, Sandy, this has been awesome. So, if people want to find you. Tell us how they can find you.
1: Yeah. So, you can always visit my website, which is smart as a fox all one word.org. You can also email me directly at Sandy, S-A-N-D-I at org. And feel free to check out my blog. I've got a lot of articles on there about compliance, deliverability, best practices. There's, I believe there's an article about fundraising and I bet you can check out as well using mobile. Use me as a resource. If you're interested in starting texting, feel free to reach out if you have any questions.
0: Sandy has some insights on how to use text campaigns to fundraise, organize, and communicate. I'm so grateful that she took time to share them with us today. I definitely learned something new, and I hope you did as well. I appreciate her advice that you should only go down this path if you're prepared to use it. Too many people pay to get started and then forget about it. It's not free like social media, so you have to work it to get your ROI. She has a ton of resources on her website, smartasafox.org i included including links to her website and resources in the show notes of this episode. To make sure you don't miss out on anything, go over to groupfinity.com and join the community by clicking subscribe. Also, go to wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe to the show, and please be sure to leave a rating and a review. Until the next episode, this is Anthony Wilson. Stay safe and be the leader that everyone wants to follow. Thanks for listening to the Groupfinity Podcast. For more information about the show, to leave comments and connect with the host, head over to www.groupfinity.com.